Acts chapter 16. Also put a pen in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In Acts chapter <coughs> 16. Excuse me. I'm going to begin reading at the sixth verse. Acts chapter 16. reads as thus, <clears throat> reading from the King James Version. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they attempted to go unto Bithynia. But the Spirit suffered them not. And as they passing by Mysia came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him or begged him, pleaded him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, uh, Samothrace. And the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city or leading city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, a Roman colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. And verse 9 and 10 again, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. I want you to listen, if you would, please, as we endeavor to speak to the church, this body, on the subject matter, answering the call to help. Why don't you say to somebody, answering the call to help. There are basically two calls that God places to humanity. 
The first call is a call unto salvation, which is the greatest invitation ever offered to any people to experience God's amazing grace and redemption through the cross of Jesus Christ is unparalleled to anything else in life. This actually is God's ministry to humanity. And God's ministry to us has not yet stopped because Jesus is ever making intercession for us on the right hand of the Father. The cross event, though, enables us to experience the effect of his ministry to us. That is, salvation from sin and granting of eternal life. This reality is clearly stated in the book of Romans, chapter 6, and verse 23, where Paul declares, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yet it is important to understand that God's call to salvation is not a call to merely come, sit in a church, or religious gathering to solely soak up some spiritual teaching. Granted, learning how to walk in the newness of life in Christ is a must. Therein one learns about how to live for God and how to serve others. But one major aspect of salvation is our responding to God in service. God not only calls us by grace into salvation, but he also calls and empowers us to serve. To serve within the community of faith and the community of around us. Look at somebody said the community of faith and the community around us. Thus, within God's call to salvation is also a call to service. And this call to service is generally a call to help. And that's what we see here in this particular text. It's a response answering a call to help. In the story, uh, the story here is that this is Paul uh, embarking upon his second missionary journey. Uh, he had just had a falling out with Barnabas uh, over John Mark, and before reading into here, they separated their ways. And Paul and Silas move out, and we have the beginning of this secondary missionary journey. Uh, this journey takes them quite a few miles. Uh, as we read in the text, uh, they went through <coughs> Persia, Galatia, Asia, Mysia, Bithynia. These were districts in what is now known as Turkey. And uh, he finally made his way. They made their way to an area or a district called Macedonia. Macedonia is in the southern part of Europe. It is in northern Greece. And as we read the story, um, 
the travel that they began on and the plan that they had, the way that they were going, that was a strategic, logical, and practical way to do this journey. Look at somebody and say, but God. It was practical. It was strategic. It was logical what they had mapped out the way to go in this journey. But look what happened. Now, when they had gone through out Phrygia and the region of Galatians chapter 6 and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, they were forbidden or prevented from preaching the gospel in a part of the plan that they had in going. And they were come to Mysia, verse 7, and they attempted to go into Bithynia. Uh, they had attempted. It was almost like trial and error. They tried to go into here. It didn't work. They tried to go into here. It didn't work. Ahoya, stay with me. Don't, don't lose me. Stick with me, y'all. We're going somewhere with this for what we need to understand where we have to go now. They tempted to do this, tempted to do that, but the attempts were futile and did not work, even though the plan was strategic, logical, and practical the way that they had mapped out in doing this journey. But the Holy Spirit prevented them from moving in the way that seemed to be, look at somebody and say, strategic, logical, and practical. This travel plan, God caused them because of the change. All right? Their plan was prevented because God had another priority. Y'all stick with me here, all right? You have to understand, God's priority always supersedes our plans. His priority always supersedes our plans. Or another way to look at it, his priority will prevent our plans from proceeding. You might want to write that one down. His priority will always prevent our plans from proceeding. Write that down. Somebody please write that down because I ain't got it written down. All right. Praise the Lord. God's priority will prevent our plans from proceeding. Their plan was prevented, forbidden. They kept attempting to follow what was logical, 
strategic and practical and looking at the map and where they wanted to go. God prevented that from happening because he had another priority. And this traveling that they did to get to Troas was about a 400-mile foot journey. And they were traveling all the way through. Where they were trying to go and what they were trying to do, God let them go a little bit, but he kept forbidding, kept preventing. And all of what they were doing, it was a 400-mile journey to get to Troas. And because God had a priority, another priority over their plans, he had to make it clear what his priority was because everything they were doing wasn't working. All right? Stick with me. And it was while at Troas that God made his priority clear. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them or to go into the area of the region of Macedonia, not to where they were moving into, right? We have to be sensitive to what God shows. Somebody want to write it down for yourself. I have to be sensitive to what God shows. Why? Because we have to trust God whenever he opens up a way or whenever he closes up or shuts up a way as he see fits. In other words, we have to recognize what God has opened for us. And when you recognize that, you say, that's the way that who? God wants me or us to go. Now, when we, for those of you that were not around before we made our venture to this locale, we were looking at other places, other parts of the city. One, I liked being closer to the area where I was living. So we initially went for a property had just about as much land. Church was a little better condition. Matter of fact, a whole much better position, condition. All right? It was seemingly strategically located. You could access it from I-465 north, coming from the north to go down. You can access it from 38th Street. You got 65. You can take 65. How you know what 65 and 38th Street runs together? 
You could get off of 65 and 38th Street, come right on up to it. You could easily get to it from West I-465 and come right to it. And I was looking at another church around the corner at the time we were having night services. I said, boy, we can put a big sign on this corner where this other huge church is. But everybody knows who they is. My thing, I can, put a, I can put a big old sign on the corner where they got to turn and go to that church. Put a big old sign on that corner that advertises us right around this corner, straight on this, this navigation of the street, this big, nice thoroughfare, to let them know when they ain't having church, you can come over here. That was the intent of the sign. Because <laughs> over here is where the feast of the Lord is going on. And y'all know, I, and I'm not trying, I'm just saying, whether we got 220, 50, 100, 150, we've had that many one point in time. God moves no matter how many. No matter how many, and literally no matter how size, whatever the size of the building is. Have you ever been at the old place, 2716 North Tacoma Avenue? God moved crazy up in that place. But our intent was to get a nice facility in a nice area where the homes looked so much better, where there was more income in the area. Stalemate. No budget from that congregation. Granted, we weren't in the best financial state and condition to do it, but God told us through the man of God several times that come before, not talking about Adams, but others. They said, when it's time to move, it won't add up on paper. And it wasn't adding up on paper because... At the beginning of that year of 2010, I'm not trying to take up the time, but you got to go with me. You got to hear me where we at. All right? You got to go with where God opens up to do ministry. Uh, it wasn't adding up on paper. And so the business meeting for the first of that year in January with the board, that meeting in that year of January 2010, was a meeting to take a look at the finances and to project out another two to three years of getting things financially in state and a little bit better so that we can move, all right? The night before the business meeting, the board meeting, God says to me, it's time to move. <laughs> the night before the meeting, God tells me, now is the time to move. And so the next day, I'm going to a meeting where the discussion is to be about planning this out for another two to three years before we what? Move. So I go to the meeting. I let the meeting go. Let it run. I'm sitting there, I'm smiling. 
And as always in most meetings, Pastor, what do you think? <laughs> I sat there, smiled, and I said, well, everything sounds good. But God says, now is the time to move. Well, that shut the discussion down quickly. And chairman at the time, it was quiet. I said, well, if that's what God says to do, that's what we'll do. And it was an intense year. It was one of the most rocky roller coaster years I've ever had in my life. Because that's when I thought we saw that prophecy. Oh, boy, this is it. Man, this is, put, let's go. Let's do it. That was in March. Let's do it. No, February. End of February. Put it in March. Stalemate. No budget on some things. A church came in behind us, another big church, a nice-sized church in this city. It didn't start out like we did. They started out with members because they came from another church. They planted members in there. We started out with nothing. They came behind us much more financially able and stable to do it. Right now, they're in a property that I had looked at before. That would have been as expansive. It wasn't a church thing, but it was massive, right? That I said, we can do this right here because it's right on I-69. People can easily get to it. It's invisible. Big sign here, big sign there. Everybody come. Because location means a lot, right? At least to us. And uh, they could not get that property. Next thing I know, they got this property that I had looked into. It had been it closed, been closed, shut down for a good while. They got that property. So they had money. Right? So it just wasn't meant for God. It wasn't meant. And so all year long, we struggled. We struggled. We had looked at this place before. In 2008, people liked it. But then they had the financial boom. <laughs> Market hit rock bottom. Everything rock bottom. They wanted too much money for this property. And uh, so threw that off the side. Then in 2010, when God said, now's the time to move, he dropped moving. Properties were limited all the way around. Y'all bear with me because y'all got to know what we got to do at this point, all right? <laughs> y'all bear with me. And we decided, said, well, let's put our property up for sale and just see what happens. That was in the, on the 1st of June in 2010. Within 30 days, we had a buyer with nowhere to go. And all year long, I'm saying, Lord, I'm preaching to y'all. God says it's time to move. It's time to move. It's moving time. We got to move. We got to move. March, nothing happened. Everything's crazy. April, nothing happened. May, nothing's happened. I said, Lord, this is getting a little rough. They're looking at me like, when we move? <laughs> and I'm coming in preaching. It's time to move. So we set our property in June of 2010. 
30 days got a buyer, less than 30 days got a buyer, nowhere to go. And I thought, okay, I guess that's a sign. Lord, thank you. <laughs> God says it's time to move. Still nowhere to go. July, nothing is open. In the month of August, this property comes back on the market for a lot less than what they originally had it for in 2008. Looked at that. Went back, came back, looked at it. Everybody said, oh, man, yeah, this is, this, is, this is nice. This is nice. So we put in for it in August. It was a struggle all the way through. I thought, Lord, now you told me this is what we're supposed to be moving. And this is nothing like pulling teeth. And all year long, I'm, you're talking about a roller coaster? For me. But God, you said Now's the time to move. We get down. Y'all know when we moved in this property? God said in January, now time, we didn't get in this property until December. (laughs) Our first Sunday was the second Sunday in the last month of the year. Can you imagine how I felt when I signed them papers? God, this has been a crazy... Man, I just need, I need to take a whole year off just to, to, to relax from the roller coaster ride. And the ebbs and the ins and the outs and everybody looking at me like, I thought you said. <laughs> I'm telling you, leading in the church is a lot different than leading in the business world. For all practical persons, yes, this is a business. But there's some different dynamics to it than it is in leading a business. Granted, you can still have some of those frustrations, some questions, some doubts, some, uh, okay, God, what's going on, you know, in terms of your business? You'll have all that, too. But it's still a different dynamic when you're dealing with church folk who are not your employees. When you want to fire folk, but they got people. All right? Y'all feel me on that? All right. I'm going somewhere. You know, the mission of our church, we recite it every Sunday. We probably might need to switch it up and, and recite our vision. The mission of our church is what? Number one is what? First M. Magnify God. Number two is? Make known the gospel. Number three is make disciples who are what? Dedicated to make a difference in the world. That's very simple. Very simple. Very simple. Magnify God. Make known the gospel. Make disciples who are dedicated to make a difference in the world. The vision of our church is to be a city of faith, hope, and love or a caring community that's transforming and empowering life of the gospel of Jesus Christ, providing a community of encouragement. Stick with me. For people to develop meaningful relationships and experience the presence and the power of God, a community of encouragement. Also to be a center of empowerment. It's part of our vision. For believers to, be in, to maximize their potential in Christ, to 
have a righteous influence in society, no matter where you are, if you're in the marketplace, to influence where you are with righteousness, empowered in Christ to do so. So the third prong of the vision is to be a church of engagement. Not only a community of encouragement, not only a center of empowerment, but a church of engagement. Through urban ministry initiatives, enabling individuals and families to experience stable, successful, and significant living in all stages of life. And that's a massive thing to do. It's a small statement, but it's a massive piece. But a caring community, transforming and empowering lives. Our We Care ministry. Maybe somebody say We Care. Our We Care ministry has embarked upon an enormous urban ministry initiative of engagement to help people in the community. And we're in partnership with major retailers to do this. And these partnerships are providing us donations of an array of household goods and other items for distribution to the community. God has opened up a door. Okay? We've been trying to do a whole bunch of things for a long time. And without having to put any money out, God has opened up a door. <laughs> without having to put any Real major amount of money out. One partnership, yeah, we had to put a little money into that. But as it relates to the impact and the opportunity, it is negligible to the opportunity that has been opened up for us. This ministry initiative fits well in our vision, being a caring community, transforming lives, empowering lives, thus resulting in the outcome of our stated mission of making a difference in the world. You have to recognize what God opens up. That's what Paul did. When they got to Troas, God gave him a vision. And a vision can come in a minute. Or God can speak to us in a vision. He can speak to us in circumstance. He can speak to us through people. He can speak to us through how he opens a door or shifts a door. Okay? He speaks. We just got to listen and hear and see what God shows. All right? Now, this major endeavor, this open door that God has made, I'm telling you, you got to see what the Lord has done, so you understand what we got to do, okay? This major endeavor requires something from all of us, because this is an open door. If any of y'all would go back there and see what's back in that room, back all the way back there, they say, where all that stuff come from? We ain't bought none of it. How, how filled would you say that room is back there? How, 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 much, how, how much room is in that room back there? Ain't no room no more. Mm-hmm. Ain't no room in that back gymnasium. Ain't no room. 
Ain't no room. Now, let me move on. The, the major endeavor involves, it, it, it requires something of us, and really is simply volunteer involvement. In other words, help. Look at somebody say help. Come over unto Macedonia and help us. Bring aid. Give us some assistance, some aid. This community is in great need of help. The reason why God probably didn't let us go where we wanted to go because it would have been comfortable, a little bit more prestigious, a little bit more statusy, and we could have said, hey, look at us. But the real only door that God opened up for us at that time when God said, it's time to move, it took us a whole year to get in here. We looked at a whole, some other, whole bunch of places. All right? But this is what opened up. <laughs> it's what opened up. But it takes volunteer involvement to operate this open door that God has created for us. In other words, help. Help to get the job done. Volunteer help to help the community. Tell somebody quickly. The we, tell them, the we in we care is us. The we in we care is us. It's us. All. Look at somebody say all. It's all of us together helping to make community better. Now, the conditions may not be what we want them to be. Okay? You see the story here of Paul and them, what was going on? God opened up another way. God opened up how he wanted them to go, where they wanted to go. They were able to go and do that. Now, just because God opens up a door, doesn't mean that there won't be some stuff you got to deal with once you walk through the door. The crazy thing is, is keep trying to go through a door God ain't open. That's the crazy thing. <laughs> the conditions sometimes are not of the call or in a call. They're not always pristine or the best or the most you want. In the story, it wasn't for Paul. Sometimes the conditions are not the most comfortable or, as it is even with us, our state may not be the most suitable. It wasn't for Paul in executing ministry. Can you read the story down a little bit further to go down and see what's happening? Paul and him were doing ministry. And what happened from doing ministry? They got arrested. They got their clothes ripped off of them. I mean, this is through the open door. They went through the open door. They got opened up. They got beat up. And after all that, they didn't just get, they didn't get walked down, weren't walked down to the prison. They were thrown into the prison. Keep reading the story. All right? And y'all know the rest of that story. You know, you read it, but you got to understand the, the context of what's happening. God opened up this door. Here they are now. They are in stocks down in the prison, way down in the deep prison, 
Ain't got nobody bringing them no TV tray dinners or nothing. And at midnight, they just singing and praise having church. At midnight. But that was a condition that they came into after the open door. Our current condition is not the most comfortable. Okay? Our current state is not the most suitable for easy maneuvering. It wasn't for Paul. Even in Acts chapter 6. Y'all got I know it's a little time. I'm ready to go too, but hold on. Hold on. Because this is crucial. Because if we mess it up, Beaver, if we mess it up now, no telling God, but say, well, I ain't open. I ain't going to provide nothing no more. And it seems like it's a whole lot. All right? But we, are, we always talk about God will open up the windows of heaven for our blessing that there ain't room enough to, we ain't got no room. Okay? You got to see God at work. It may look like, what is this overwhelming? Yes, it is. Okay? Trying to leave this church is overwhelming. And it's gotten really overwhelming the last few years. All right? Uh, but God has opened up a door and just said, Phew. okay? God always does that kind of stuff. So it's how we look at it, recognizing what it is, and say, oh, wow. God has just given us something that really been praying for for a while, long time in terms of really how to engage and do some ministry, God just throws it in our lap. When it looks like we ain't got nothing, we ain't got, what we got to do with it? God said, here you go. Right? In the church, in its early, in its early beginning, particularly in Acts chapter 6, they had a major problem. It became a problem church had grown to a large size to some degree, and there was some infighting on who was going to get food. Okay? I mean, because it was just, it was chaotic. All right? They had Hebrews and some Jewish people in there, the Gentiles, all of them were together, and there was some fighting about getting food. How are we going to get all, we need food, we want food. You're treating this person better than us, you're giving more to these people over here. It was chaotic. Because he made the church to grow. Right? And so it was an issue and a matter they just had to deal with. But I'd rather have to, I'd rather have a lot to deal with that ain't got nothing to do nothing with. Are you with me? Okay. So tell somebody, just because something's a problem. Just because something is a problem, or seems like a problem, doesn't mean that it's bad. 
Some problems are good. Just got to work through them. Well, let me close out on this. In 1 Corinthians, he lists about ministries in the church and how God has put things in the church. And the New Living Translation reads like this in the 27th verse of 1 Corinthians 12. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. And again, we're talking about answering the call to what? To help. Answering the call to help. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown tongues. Ministry of helps is in there. The ministry of helps. And that term helps means to render assistance, and it's tied to a word meaning to mutually take hold of one another with the hand. That's what it's tied to. Mutually to grab a hold of one another with the hand. Thus, to support and to keep from falling. To help and assist. Tell somebody, we got to make sure we keep this from falling. That means we got to what? Help. All of us have to help. Your help, my help, all of our help is needed to keep we care from falling. And a lot of times people say, well, what are we doing? What's the theme for this year? Because I had no theme because God can change up in the moment. Folks give a theme in January and God to move to something else in February. All right, y'all got to understand. That's, you know, it's all right. It's all right to have a word and all that for a year and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, but if you want one, this year we're going to focus on this. Okay? That's what we're going to focus on. Some of you may want to, boy, what's past ain't leading us, past ain't doing nothing. I've been waiting on God. God, what's the, what in the, is going on here? <laughs> Just like it was in 2010, I was in God, you said, nah. and lately I've been saying, God, what in the, is going on here? Ain't nothing happening, ain't nothing working, ain't nothing moving, except people going the wrong way. Now, now, I have, now I'm, let, me, let me share this with you. I have to take this moment on a Sunday because a lot of times we open up and have a busy meeting. Guess what? Don't nobody show up. Okay? <laughs> and then sometimes I like, just say, why do we even have it? Okay? So I have to, take it, have to take liberty when the majority are here. Okay? <laughs> so all of us is important in every ministry. Every ministry is important. But it's the minister of helps that keeps things together. Now notice two things in that one verse in 28. And we're almost through. I'm serious. But I hope you're getting this. Because God has opened up a door that we've got to work what God has opened up. Okay? Not at the neglect of others, but this is massive and major. And God has just poured it, dropped it into our hands. 
to show us, I can give you as much as I'll get out. Okay? I am not short in doing what I want to do when I want to do it for you. But notice two things in that 28th verse. One, or in that passage, the ministry of helps, I'm not saying, I don't know if Paul did this intentionally in writing it, but this is the way it's written down. The ministry of helps, look at somebody say volunteer involvement, helping somebody out, helping the church out, helping the ministry out to keep it from falling. Helps precedes governments in that verse. You would think that the apostle would start on that which in terms of leading and administration, that comes first. Because to some degree, I've always been un under the impression that, hey, you got to have the structure. You have to have the structure for what you want to happen, right? Because you've got to have a structure to sustain what you want to take place. Structure is important. You've got a structure for that. You've got to try to have leaders in place for the expansion. God didn't always work like that. I mean, that's the strategic, logical, practical way of looking at things, all right? Helps precedes governments. to me. You would think that, oh, just a little help. You put it down on the bottom at the end. Just need a little help. You folks will help you out a little bit, right? <laughs> it precedes leadership and administration. Amazing. That's just me noticing that. But something else in this, in this passage, and we truly are about through. In this passage, 1 Corinthians 12. We're talking about answering to the call to help. Paul uses the figure of the church as the body of Christ and in which he makes an interesting note. And catch this real good. The most visible is not always the most valuable. You may want to write that down. The most visible is not always the most valuable. He notes that the organs of the body that are most visible are not always the organs that are most valuable when he goes through and deals with it. I know how many of y'all truly appreciate having two ears, two eyes, and a nose with two holes. How many of y'all appreciate that? I appreciate being able to hear. I appreciate being able to see. I appreciate being able to smell the good food that y'all fix and all that kind of stuff just to get myself ready for what I'm going to dig into. I love it. Wonderful. <laughs> but a functioning heart, kidney, and lungs are more important than our eyes, our ears, and our nose. The preacher who stands and serves visibly in front of all in the pulpit may not be as important 
as the lay person who serves and is not as visible. But what is most visible is not always the most valuable. Your service of helping, no matter how less visible it may seem, it is most valuably needed at this moment in time in the door that God has opened for us to do ministry. I hope you hear me. I'm going to hope you hear God. Hope you hear God. There's so many scriptures. I'll just give them so you can go read them later. But helping is a virtuous quality. And particularly helping people in need is virtuously an expression of the call of God, of his people. And practically, it's synonymous with volunteering. It's in essence volunteering when you're helping, especially in doing good. There's several scriptures that God talks about us doing good. And I may send them to you so you can go home and read them. I'll make sure you get them. I'll send them out to you.